Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, Pelicans fans, this is a special edition of The Bird Calls. I am David Grubb, filling in for Preston Ellis once again as host. And I have with me uh, Kevin Barrios and David Fisher, both from thebirdrights.com. Guys, a big day for the Pelicans today. Definitely. I'm going to let David start off because I'm always on here and let the guest jump in and do his thing. Go ahead. Yeah, Dave, you were a big um, Griffin proponent, a guy uh, who, who talked about him this, this season extensively. Yeah, give us your reaction to the... the, uh... I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. News that he will be the next uh, vice president of basketball uh, operations for the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm very excited, um, mostly because with bringing Griffin in, it's the Pelicans asked the prettiest girl out to the prom, and she said yes. I mean, if you look at every single opening that, that had been opened up and there's David Griffin at the very top of the list, that's the guy that they want to bring in. He was a candidate for the next job. He stepped back because he didn't think it was a good fit for him. He was going to, he was a candidate for the Philadelphia 76ers job. He stepped back. He didn't think it was a good fit for him. Everyone, as soon as the Lakers, I mean, as soon as Magic Johnson stepped down, every single Laker fan and all of basketball Twitter, well, David Griffin, he has this relationship with LeBron James. And despite the fact that he knows he's going to be possible candidates for that, he looks at what the Lakers are right now in that situation, and he says, that's not a good fit for me. He picked the New Orleans Pelicans. So in terms of what it says about the organization to the rest of the league, the optics of it for the outside of it, that's, that's one of the biggest wins, in my opinion. So, Kevin, the, one of the big things 
that Griffin brings instantly to the Pelicans organization is credibility. But the second part of that is the, the major thing that a lot of fans were looking for and something that we've discussed on this pod a lot this season is structure, organizational structure. Um, giving uh, Griffin that title of Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, the title that Mickey Loomis held um, during the entire Benson uh, ownership period so far, how important is that that he's been given that title? And what do you think that means organizationally for the Pelicans? Oh, I mean, I love that aspect. I love the fact that this position was created more than the person who's filling it. And I don't have any ill feelings about the David Griffin hire. I'm totally fine with it. I think he's very capable, very well respected. Um, I like a lot of the things that he said. I mean, it's another thing where he wouldn't have been my top choice just because I like to go in a different direction. But I respect what he's done, and I think he's going to be very good in that role. But I love that that role was created and that we needed that. And, you know, the first things that you hear, there's going to be a total overhaul of the analytics department, the scouting department. Um, We were talking off air before about how they're talking about, you know, hiring a GM for the G League team now and, you know, a coach there. So there's all these things that are getting integrated and all these things that are happening that has to make you excited as a Pelicans fan, because, you know, we were stuck in a situation where we had the same people over and over and over again for the last, you know, you know, the millennium that Del Demps reigned. And, you know, I, I think Del Demps was better than a lot of people give him credit for, but, you know, change needed to happen. And, and that definitely within the organization, the way the organization structured was structured needed to change. And this is the first step in that, uh, the first domino to fall, as I think you said earlier, um, so that's, it's a very exciting, uh, time for us, you know, for that aspect. And now we get to think about, you know, there's now going to be a, a real GM underneath him. So you're going to have two really good basketball minds at the top. Um, and then a whole bunch of other really good basketball minds below them as they fill out a, a, a scouting department, an analytics department, a training staff, a coaching staff, all of that. So you have to be, um, excited today, you know, um, it's like, uh, I guess it, I guess it's more like Hanukkah than Christmas because we get to open that first gift and then the rest of the gifts are going to be coming along the way. The, there's so much for Griffin to do with this organization. I mean, coming in um, the way he is and then having to deal with coaching decision. Um, and let's start with that. What do you think the future is now for Alvin Gentry? The The thought has always been, that he was going to be back in some capacity um, due to his relationship with Mrs. Benson. Uh, does Griffin being hired increase the likelihood of him being around um, in the front office? Um, do you think there's a chance that he could be coming back as coach? Or do you think he's out of the organization um, no matter what? Uh, Kevin, you want to leave this one off? Sure. Um, you know, I mean, it, that's – Heart is obviously purely speculation on our part, right. but from what we've been hearing for so long, although we were also hearing that Ferry was the guy and now he's not the guy, so who knows? But we've been hearing for a long time that Alvin Gentry will be back with this team and probably not as coach. And I think the fact that Griffin was hired um, and that they do have a relationship you know, strengthens that notion. And I, you know, that could also be one of the underlying issues that Ferry wasn't on board with. And one of the reasons he withdrew is that they were forcing this, uh, this guy into his, uh, 
organizational structure that he didn't really want. Um, whereas Griffin maybe was open to it because he probably has a solid relationship with Alvin Gentry because Alvin Gentry, whatever you think about him as a coach, he's obviously a very likable guy um, and a guy that, you know, you wouldn't mind having around and giving you some input. Um, so I, I think that only strengthens that, but I, I still would expect, you know, a new coach in place. Um, but I do think that Gentry will be around next season. What about you, Fish? I, I agree completely. When you're talking about Griffin and his relationship, he was with the Suns for 17 years, including the entirety almost of the time that Gentry was with the Suns. So they have a good working relationship already. And maybe that relationship will facilitate Alvin Gentry's move into some kind of advisor role. And I don't know exactly how they're going to, going to name that position. But so his, his contract isn't dead money organizationally because the Benson family, the reporting is that the Benson family doesn't really like to take on dead money. Right. as much as Mickey Loomis does. But then going along with that, he can transition into some kind of role. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to call that. Some kind of senior advisor role, maybe a similar role to what, <coughs> excuse me, what Danny Perry was filling for the organization before. And then they'll bring in hopefully a general manager for the Pelicans underneath Griffin. And then since they're taking over the Erie Bayhawks, Coming up this year, they'll need an assistant GM who also functions in a similar role that a lot of teams have where they have an assistant GM who's also the general manager of the G League team. I think that could be a very interesting position for Gentry considering his um, love of teaching the game. And I think that that to, to him maybe being a general manager of the G League team and having some connection organizationally, um, and being that conduit, I think that could be a very interesting role. I found it interesting that they did involve him in the hiring process and have him sit in on those interviews with Griffin. Um, he was very low-key about that uh, during the uh, exit interviews on uh, Tuesday, I mean, on Wednesday, excuse me, uh, discussing the relationship with Griffin. But, you know, maybe he knew some things that he just really, really wasn't willing to let on at that time. But I think it would be an asset for them to keep Gentry around um, going forward just because of that relationship that he has with Griffin. But I think also the work that he did over these past four years has earned him some cachet clearly within the organization. Um, one of the things that, that I've noticed about this, um, about Griffin, just going back and look at his, looking at his transactions. And of course he was GM for in Cleveland for three years um, winning, going to the finals all three years, winning the championship in 2016. It seemed that he was able to make, um, when he had draft choices, he made solid ones. Um, and most of the trades that he made over those three years uh, really moved the franchise forward, even when you're constantly dealing with that revolving door around a, a LeBron James for veterans, other than those, you know, some signings like the Tristan Thompson deal and the J.R. Smith deal. When you look back at that Cleveland track record, um, Fish, especially because you've, you've watched him a bit more, uh, do you think that uh, the kind of moves that he's, uh, that he's made in the past are indicative of what he wants to do with this franchise going forward? I don't. 
I really don't. And I think that a lot of that is because he was dealing with structural things in Cleveland, to, to lack of a better word. The structure of you have LeBron, you must compete for a championship every year, which accelerates the alarm, the doomsday clock to midnight every single season. Every single season, it's how do we match up with the Golden State Warriors? And I, coming into the Pelicans here in New Orleans, I think that's one of the things that made it more, more, not lucrative, more, the word's escaping me right now, but it was a better fit for, yeah, it was a much more attractive position, not just because you don't necessarily have that pressure of you must win and you know compete for a championship right now so there is some some leeway in terms of the timeline but knowing that you have that anthony davis chip and then behind that if you want to play it you have the drew holiday chip to facilitate jump starting a rebuild but in a way that you don't necessarily tear it all down to the studs because you can get a lot of guys who are still on a rookie contract, still have some upside, especially when you're talking about trading the Anthony Davis contract, but then more draft picks on the back end of that. So you know that while that, that player gets to his second contract and is beginning to approach his prime, you can have both the Pelicans future picks that they have themselves and the picks that you expect to bring in with Anthony Davis. And with that, I, I expect, and he's had, He's had a couple of years kind of to step back and to see how other teams have, have approached this, that he's going to have a broader mindset. And sometimes failure is, is, the best, is the best way to learn. It just sucks when, you know, you're the team that has to go through the GM failing to learn. Kevin, in, a, in, in the um, short term, when you look at the situation that the Pelicans are in, um, you know, needing to find a coach, needing to make the AD deal, get pre- getting prepared for the draft. If you're your first day um, in the, the chair as vice president of basketball operations and you're David Griffin, what's the first phone call you make? Are you bringing in coaching candidates first or are you immediately getting to work on trying to formulate um, that AD deal? I think everything stems from the AD deal. I, I want to get my GMs, my GM and, you know, my scouting department and those guys in first, because I want to see what this team is that I'm building. I want to discuss the 80 packages that I'm interested in, how we build around each package. And then from there decide on a coaching staff, because that's really what hinges on this whole thing, because we've already heard David Griffin say that he, he definitely wants to keep, he would definitely want to keep Drew Holiday and that he values Drew Holiday a lot. And this was before he was ever linked to the Pelicans. So this is just purely from the outside looking in. And you would have to think he still feels that way, especially after seeing how Drew carried um, the team on the nights that AD sat out and Julius and Miritich were out when they're contemplating trading those guys. Um, you know, you'd think that would only, that desire would only be stronger now. Um, so I think that's that's the main focus is figuring out exactly what we're going to get for Anthony Davis and then how those parts fit together and what else we need to put around them and then who is the right person to coach those those uh, players. Um, so that's definitely 
uh, the way to go um, for me. And I also just want to say something about what David was just saying. And I, I agree with him a lot about I wouldn't pigeonhole David Griffin on what he did in Cleveland because it was a very particular situation that he was dealing with. And it's probably one of the reasons why he doesn't want to go back and be uh, take this role with the Lakers. He didn't even wait for an interview or whatever because of all that 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 whole thing of having to deal with LeBron. But I, I feel like it's the same thing with Sam Hinkie. You know, everybody like says that he is purely a, a you know, the tank guy, the the tear down, rebuild the process. But I think these are just two guys who are smart basketball guys who are put into certain situations and then worked for what that situation was. And that ties back to what this is. It's like we have the superstar that I can trade to get these pieces. Now, what do I do around that? And that's, you know, you want a smart guy in there that's adaptable and flexible. And I think that we got that. And I think, again, like Sam Hinkie could be that guy, too. I think he's another guy that's unfairly pigeonholed that way. One of the big concerns with the franchise has always been um, financially their commitment, uh, the Benson's commitment to upgrading the franchise, spending the money to get staff, spending the money to make the team um, competitive on a um, elite level. With Griffin in place, obviously there had to be some type of promises made for the money to spend. Do you think that that was lip service, that this is something that that they've done to sell the job, or that there is a real financial commitment that Gail Benson is going to put into this organization over the next three to five years to to create the kind of structure and um, system that it's going to take for the Pelicans to be a successful small market franchise? Dave, you want to go take that one? Yeah, I do. And going back to the first question that we asked, I think that is the best part from the outside looking in about hiring Griffin instead of Barry, pretty much, is that you hire Griffin and you know that he's turned down other jobs and other big markets where money was relatively not an object. The Knicks, the Knicks print money. They've been terrible. They still print money. They could do as much investment as you could possibly ask for. He said no. And if you've read, he's, one of his quotes was he wants to make sure the, the right situation was going to be where the front office and ownership and the coaching staff all are on the same page and together. And another quote that he had was that he wants to be in an organization that feels like you're building a family. Those are the kind of quotes that when you read them, you say, it's telling you something about what the Pelicans were putting on the table, which beyond just his contract, but the investment long-term, the fact that they are, you know, affiliated with the Erie Bayhawks beginning next year. So they'll have their control of their own G league team. And then once the um, arena upgrades are done in Birmingham, they're bringing Erie down to Birmingham. And another thing about that is like, it came out today. Somebody was, tweeting out the top um, television markets in terms of local ratings there. And New Orleans and Birmingham are two of the top five markets. So there is, despite what national media tells you, there is an appetite and there is, you know, there is a fan base here on the Gulf Coast that's ready for basketball season. And I think that's one of the things that Griffin is seeing and that's what it tells us as as fans and people who are 
all the way outside or maybe just like a half step into the organization in terms of what we hear that, hey, we're bringing this big name, the biggest name. I mean, let's let's not sell David Griffin short. David Griffin was the top name at every single list, every single time uh, a position like this opened in the front office and the Pelicans got him. So it has to say something about what they're doing beyond just the contract they offered him. At the very least, the Pelicans win the headline war. If this were New York City, the front, the back of the New York Post and the Daily News would be David Griffin. This is a win for the Pelicans PR-wise and clearly from fan reaction, um, social media, um, media reaction. Everybody is excited about this. Kevin, as a long-suffering fan, as well as somebody who writes about the team, um, how many how many times genuinely have you been excited about this type of move for the franchise? I mean, we, we've gone through Jeff Bauer, we've gone through you know Dell, and now we get to to, to uh, um, David Griffin. Is this really the first time since this franchise kind of moved to New Orleans that that there's an excitement about who's at the top of the organization chart? I mean, just look back to the podcast we recorded yesterday when we were just resigned to the fact that Danny Ferry was going to be the the GM. And, you know, I think none of us were really on board with that hire. We were okay with it. Like, we think that he's a capable guy, but it wasn't exciting. It felt like that this notion of change that they were pushing forward that they kept telling us about was just lip service, as you said before. Whereas today it's a totally new feeling and it's like, it's definitely a great feeling that you see tangible evidence that they are really committed to changing the way this team is run. And, and as David said, as David Fisher said, um, you know, the fact that we did get this guy who's on top of everybody's list that's so well respected that, that came over when there's all these other attractive jobs available shows that they were able to convince him that they were committed um, so that has to make you feel really good. Um, and yeah, definitely there's never been a, a hire like this, you know, cause even like, I think a lot of people were excited about the Alvin Gentry hire when it happened. I mean, that's a coach, not a GM, but it's like a big name that they brought in coming off of a championship season. And I wasn't sold on that hire. So even that hire was like not exciting for me. So this is the, like the first time that this team has hired somebody that I could really be excited about. Yeah, I think, I think it is really interesting because you look at the history of coaching hires and front office people, and really the only two times that people had a, thought they had gotten a big name was the first was when you got Byron Scott. He had been a hot name across the league for years, you know, as an assistant before he got the Pelicans job. And then, like you said, that then today with Griffin, this feels like the only two times that the Pelicans kind of have gone all – that this franchise has gone all out. Um, in those positions to get people that were universally respected at the time. Um, maybe this is a new direction for the franchise, finally. One of the things that has... Oh, I'm sorry, I would, no, I would say I would argue even, like, this could be, it, you know, I mean, of course, obviously people get more excited about, uh, you, you know, the average fan will get more excited about uh, a free agent signing. If you even look to compare this to any other free agent signing we've ever had, like, this, I think is on par with, I guess, the biggest one would that we've had that really got people excited was Pager, you know? Like, is it, it? you know, we don't really ever get free agents either. So, like, this 
signing is one of the most exciting things to happen since basketball arrived in New Orleans. Is this the, does this feel like the defining moment so far of I mean, this this is the thing for me that separates Gail Benson now and she's creating her own legacy. Definitely. Is this for her? I mean, and also going back to the question you asked, David, I mean, the basketball teams are becoming worth so much money now. It'd be silly not to actually invest in the one you have. Um, So I don't think that the lip that it is lip service that they want to because you can invest a little bit more and get your team valuation much higher. And, you know like what's uh what are the 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 talk of the knicks i mean obviously we're not the knicks and we don't have madison square garden but selling them for five billion dollars that's insane you know that's a team in your league i don't know that an nfl team could even sell for that much right now um so basketball's on the rise so you should be investing in that football's on the decline especially once we start dealing with all these health issues in a real legitimate sense you know, that's really going to start to tarnish the, that sport. And, you know, kids aren't going to be playing it like they were before. Um, whereas basketball, there's really nothing that's going to interfere with it to continue to skyrocket in popularity, I, I would think. Uh, Dave, um, looking, uh, you know, you think that Griffin comes in with a list of names for potential GMs um, and potential head coaches. Uh, just off the top of your head now, who would you think would be at the top of his list potentially for those positions? I mean, I'm still going to shoot for the stars and ask. I mean, Frazier Langdon right now is the assistant GM in Brooklyn. Does he want a, a promotion and title to come to become, you know, the general manager of the team that runs the day-to-day operations while David Griffin is kind of over top of everything? Outside of that, honestly, I don't have, like, because you're going to be digging deep through who's he worked with in Cleveland before that might be available. You know, who was his assistant GM then? And outside of that, I mean, one of the the big things that you have to think of, not only in terms of what team has he traded with before when he was in Cleveland and when he was in Phoenix, you know, he wasn't necessarily the lead decision-maker when he was in Phoenix. But he was in, you know, the the, you know, the he was in those meetings when um, Steve Kerr was the president, and he was an executive vice president. He was in those meetings. So, what kind of teams has he talked with that he's made deals with before that he saw other guys lower on their totem pole that he might want to bring up? Um, so, I, I don't have any other names outside of the fact that it would still be the dream to land Langdon beside him. I think that what's interesting with his coaching picks, he, he picked two coaches, obviously, at Cleveland. His first was David Blatt, um, and that was with the intention that they were going to have a young team that needed to be taught. Um, and then when they realized that when LeBron came back, and that was a surprise, obviously, at the time, then they ended up making the move to Teron Lou, who was dealt, you know, brought specifically to deal with the issues of that team. That, to me, is encouraging that he's not stuck in one particular style of coach that he's willing to find the coach that fits his roster, which was something that um, Kevin talked about earlier. So I think that is an encouraging sign going forward to have a GM who doesn't have a philosophy, but seems to be open to the philosophy that will work for what he's got. That's one of the things actually going back to like, what's he looking for, for a coach 
where my hope is you would ask Kevin, you know, who's his, who's his, if, if I was David Griffin, who would my first calls be to? My first calls would be the same as his. How am I going to flesh out my, the rest of the, the general manager that's going to be below me in the scouting staff? Because I want a lot of different opinions and perspectives on what should we do with the Anthony Davis trade. And then once we can kind of zero in on what we're looking for, and then honestly, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against the team waiting until after the lottery at a minimum before they select a coach. So that they know, once the lo- once the lottery has occurred, I think they're going to have a much better idea of what trade packages might be on the table, depending on who lands at one, who lands at two, even who lands at three. And hey, maybe John Morant might slide to three because a team like I don't know Atlanta lands yeah, at two, need a point and they're guard. not a team like Atlanta lands at two, so they don't need a point guard. So you know, you know. Hey, we can make this this AD trade, and we can get the three pick, and then with that three pick, we're going to get Ja, and that's going to be the focal point of what we're going to build around. Now, get that that same group of you know the GM and the scouting staff, and say with the players that we have so far, what's the best coach to fit that? And one of the big things that is a benefit and should make us optimistic about Griffin is Griffin, when he hired Dave Blatt, that was the first time that he was the primary decision maker as, as an NBA executive before he'd been, when he was in Cleveland, he was in Cleveland for the four years before that he was in a similar position to what he is now, where he was an executive vice president. He was an executive vice president for three or four years before that, when he was in Phoenix where he wasn't necessarily the lead guy because either the general manager or somebody who held a title of president of basketball operations was the lead decision maker. But the first thing he did was he went outside of the NBA circle and went to some guy who's coaching in the Israeli league. Hey, that's going to be my coach because I think I'm going to have this young team and all these first round top picks. And I want somebody to teach. So he's not going to be zeroed in on the same boring list of also ran head coaches like the Lakers are right now. Yeah, I think we've 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 dodged the Mark Jackson bullet um, with the hiring <laughs> of Griffin, which was extremely important to me. And the Avery Johnson bullet. Yes, yes, those those were I both. I do feel it's a shame that we don't get to have you just impersonate uh, Mark Jackson, though. I mean, I'm glad we had our coach, but if we were stuck with him, that would be fun at least. It would. It might make the year a little less um, annoying, but it would still be Mark Jackson, and we'd probably be very, very angry for most of that time. Right. Uh, <laughs> but this is an exciting day. I think it is a, a good day for the Pelicans as an organization, and it could end up being a historic day um, for this organization um, in general. You know, we thought that, that a move was going to be made uh, this week. We thought maybe today the announcement would be made. We thought it would be fairy uh, to, to, for them to – I think that's one thing that we kind of haven't discussed. Is there anything that, that, that we might think of as an indicator as to why it changed so quickly? I mean, the first Woj bomb about fairy pulling out comes out, and then less than two minutes later we get the second that the Pelicans are finalizing negotiations with Griffin. 
from the outside, to me, it looks like something had to have happened other than Ferry um, citing his family as a reason that he didn't want to make the move. Because his situation hasn't changed since he became interim general manager. The family was already in Atlanta. So my question would be, what do you, I mean, it's all speculation, but something had to have happened here for Ferry to, to fall out of that, what we thought was the favorite seat. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking before, um, I think it's either, it's either you know, um, sort of polishing, I mean, uh, what do you call it? What I was, was going to say, like making the situation seem better than it was. Like he didn't get the job, so now it's like I'm pulling out for this reason because, like you said, it doesn't make sense to say that all of a sudden you're not interested in this job because of your family. Unless something crazy happened with his family that we don't understand, you know, maybe a parent or someone got sick or whatever, <clears throat> um, where it changed his situation changed for him. Because other than that, there's no change in that situation. So why go through the whole process? Um, so I think it's maybe a little bit of a safe face for him. Like the maybe the organization changed course. Maybe they started to pay attention to what, what was going on outside, how people didn't think the optics looked good of bringing him back. Or maybe Griffin shined in another interview. Or possibly even Ferry knows that there's other positions that he'd rather have opening up somewhere else. If you see him emerge as a candidate in uh, Los Angeles or somewhere else, you know, Memphis or any of these other spots that are opening up that he might think is a more attractive job for him or a better clean start for him. Um, that could be the case, but because it was so bang, bang, you got to think that it was the organization that changed position or that we weren't as in tuned as we thought we were. Maybe it was closer than we thought, or maybe, um, maybe there was just a propaganda machine that Barry had started because he is ingrained now within that building where he, where he was getting himself pumped up and then he lost out. So now he withdraws and, and says, you know, family reasons or whatever, but of course it's all speculation. And at the end of the day, none of it matters because we got the better guy in my opinion. And, uh, you know, a, a very, a much better symbol of change. And that's what we really needed. So in the final analysis, as we wrap up, um, if we were given this a letter grade of this move today, what 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 would you guys give out today? Dave, you want to go first? I mean, Griffin was my guy before they even got into the process in February. Um, and I understand that a lot of people are very hesitant because of his Cleveland record and because of some of the disgusting contracts that were handed out. I give him... Two things. I give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there because I feel like that was unique to the situation of you have LeBron James who's on a one-year contract every year and demands to win and we need to get a championship here to Cleveland. And then the second part of that is, yeah, he made mistakes. And maybe since he was, since he was the man in the arena making those decisions and he's been able to step back now and he's talked to a lot of other basketball people, and he sees, you know, the gravity of his mistakes and why, then maybe he's learned a lot from that. So for me, it's going to be an A-plus, not just because of the fact that I really liked Griffin going in, but compared to what we were starting to feel in the last two weeks, it signals 
it signals the significant investment and change for the organization that the hire of pretty much the other favorite in Ferry would have failed to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to give it an A plus for the structure being created and the emphasis on developing um, and a strong analytics department and a strong scouting department and having, you know, a vice president of basketball operations with a GM underneath. And then, you know, also a separate arm for the, for the G league and all that will be integrated together. So structurally it's an A plus for the person they hired, I'll give it a B plus. So I guess that would average to like an A minus uh, for me. I guess I, I, the way I view this kind of right now is the way I viewed the DeMarcus don't call me boogie cousins trade. Um, just that it's a, it's a, a, a move you had to roll the dice on. If David Griffin's available and he says he wants to come and you've got the reasonable chance of taking him. I, I, I think that's a, a, you can make that roll of the dice coupling it with the commitment that the franchise is making in those other areas. If it doesn't pan out, no one will fault you for making this move. So um, I, I, I'm like, I'm like you, Kevin, probably like a B plus a minus overall, because I'm, I'm not a hundred percent a Griffin guy, but I think just the sim- symbolism of what this move means um, in the greater circles of the NBA and for the organization as a whole, I think in that regard, it's a home run. Uh, I think that's where we'll we'll leave it for now. I, you know, there'll be other things coming along soon enough that will impact um, what we view uh, the Pelican, how we view the Pelicans offseason. Of course, the lottery uh, being the next major event coming up. But for now, uh, I'm David Grubb. That's Kevin Barrios, and that's David Fisher. And this has been The Bird Calls. Um, Until the next time, go Pels. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. can't believe it that gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets look here comes a 1.7 percent decrease in fixed overhead hello everybody no i can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with geico who are you the projected increase in organic q3 revenue hooray believe it geico could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.